Welcome to the Financial Advisors Advisor, the podcast offering guidance and advice on all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the go-to podcast for any financial advisor in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Frank LaRosa, the CEO of Elite Consulting Partners, and I am the Financial Advisors Advisor. For those of you that are new to the show, welcome. We hope you find the information informative and useful into your in your practice. If you're a returning listener, thank you very much. We really appreciate all the great comments. The five-star reviews we're getting on iTunes is superb. And uh, even more importantly, the uh, ideas that you send us on topics to talk about. So keep them coming. You can send uh, an email to frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com with any ideas and suggestions. It will be greatly appreciated. I'm flying solo today. My right-hand man is uh, not with me today, Dale Dempsey, but he's here in spirit. So, Dale, if you're listening to this podcast, you rock, dude. Today, I wanted to really just get into something that has come up, again, and comes up all the time, but a lot of people have had some questions about it this week in particular. And I think it's we're approaching you know, sort of the middle of October at this point, and uh, there's a lot of movement coming from different firms. A lot of advisors are leaving uh, firm A, going to firm B. And this is a time of the year where everybody's really trying to make that decision to go before, you know, before the holidays or wait until next year. So we're getting a lot of questions about something in particular, and that is broker protocol and putting together their broker protocol spreadsheet. So today, and I apologize, I'm a little, little under the weather, uh, but I wanted to get this thing out. So I'm, I'm, Definitely fighting a little bit of the flu. Apologize. I wanted to go over really the top five do's and don'ts of putting together your broker protocol spreadsheet and why it's important that you follow these sort of rules to the T. But let me step back and just sort of give you a sort of a a quick history. Broker protocol came about back in 2004 and really stipulated how to handle an advisor when they move going from firm A to firm B and what information they were allowed to take. And prior to 04, you know, if an an advisor left Merrill Lynch and went to Smith Barney at the time, which doesn't exist anymore, went to Smith Barney, they would take all sorts of information. They would take statements. They would be at their office at at midnight making copies of everything and just sort of got ugly. The the advisor would leave and then uh, Merrill Lynch would run into court and try to get a restraining order, temporary restraining order on the advisor. And meanwhile, the advisor had all the information. He or she had already talked to their clients, most of their clients on the weekend, but it would still cost some money. And it was uh, basically like a legalized shakedown. You know, Merrill Lynch would say, well, we'll lift the temporary restraining order if you give us 15% of the advisor's uh, trailing 12 to make it go away. And they would pay. And then, you know, the next week, Merrill Lynch would take somebody from Smith Barney and the same thing would happen, right? And so there's money basically just moving money around and the firms got together and realized that in that scenario, the only one that was really making any money was the attorney because the advisor was still going to leave. The clients were still going to go with the advisor because you can't control and tell a client what they can and cannot do. And week one, Merrill Lynch got a 15% 
fee from Smith Barney. And then the second week, Smith Barney got a 15% fee from Merrill Lynch. So that money washed out. And the only person that made any money was the attorney charging, you know, thousands of dollars to uh, run into court. And so the firms got together and said, hey, let's just acknowledge that you're going to take guys from us. We're going to take guys from you. Uh, let's just figure out the, the best way to handle this thing so that we are not really violating any type of privacy rules with the clients and, and their own intellectual property and documents and stuff. So they so the protocol was, was founded. The list that you have to use is called a protocol spreadsheet. And that protocol spreadsheet and, and one of these rules states that you are allowed to take five pieces of information. And those five pieces of information are essentially the client's name, their addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, and titles of accounts. So that means joint account, UGMA account. They may have a trust account. They may have um, you know, SEP accounts, th- those types of things. When you put together a spreadsheet – especially essentially has two sides to it. So you have one side where it has all the client information. And then the second side is where you have all of these columns where you have uh, a joint account, column one, custodial account is column two, um, individual account is column three, IRA account is column four. And you're just checking off in each of those columns how many of each of those accounts does that particular client have, right? So- in row one, you're going to have client one. You'll have all the information in there and including all the types of accounts. And then you're just going to go down row one, corresponds to what would be you know FedEx package one. You're going to provide the second half of that information to the new firm. Right? So before you leave, the new firm can't have the client information. They can't have the names and addresses of those clients yet. So you're only going to, in order to prepare your FedEx packages, you're only going to provide the new firm the the right side of the column, and that is the types of accounts that are in that corresponding household. So they can prepare ahead of time all the packages. On the day you leave, you're going to give your manager the entire spreadsheet that includes the names and addresses and everything. And then after you resign, you can then provide the left side of the information, which is the client information, to your new firm. And they're basically just going to merge the, the, the spreadsheets into one document. But what I wanted to do today, and that's basically what the, what the spreadsheet looks like. And if you're interested um, and you would like to see what an actual spreadsheet looks like, you can email me at frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com, and I'd be happy to email you a copy of, of a spreadsheet. So what I want to do today is really within within the context of creating this spreadsheet is go through the the really the top five sort of do's and don'ts of this. Number one, I know it sounds sort of obvious and silly, but you know prepare early and take your time putting together the spreadsheet. And I've seen you can prepare too early actually, but prepare early. I've seen advisors do a spreadsheet in, in as little as a weekend. Right, they uh, they just basically lock themselves in their house. And they have all the information, which is sort of number two is do it at home. But they have all the information that they need, and they just go through, and you know they have a concentrated book of clients. And maybe they only have a hundred clients or fifty clients, and so it's a little bit easier to do. But if you do it too early, 
things change with clients. So you have to be careful about what you change, which I'll get into in the sort of the top five don'ts. Um, so I would say give yourself a, a good t- amount of time is, you know, two to three weeks is all it really should take for you to work on your spreadsheet. And that's maybe not doing it all at one sitting, but really, you know, doing it over a couple of nights, getting the information in there. If you have a larger team, obviously, the, and depending on whether all of the team members are aware of what's going on, you know, I would assign that task to your most trusted uh, support person, whoever is going to be the most uh, diligent and detailed about getting the information accurate. Uh, number two, like I said, do it at home. You don't want to be uh, doing it at your office. Someone walks into your office, or maybe you're not paying attention, or you have a lot of other things going on, and the information that you then uh, get put in there is inaccurate, which is number three. But the other thing I've seen, and I've had advisors make this mistake, is they start doing it at work uh, just to see what it's like, and then they make this dumb mistake of emailing it to themselves at home. So they email from the work computer to like their Gmail account and it's a spreadsheet attachment. And for those of you that may not be aware, but every firm has has an email monitoring system that sort of randomly will send notifications to your manager or ops person to review emails. And one of the triggers is attachments. So anytime an attachment is sent out from your company email, it gets flagged for review. And so you want to be careful about not emailing yourself that spreadsheet and certainly don't name it my protocol spreadsheet. Trust me, I've 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 seen that happen before. So please don't do that. Uh, number 3, make sure that the information is accurate. You may not have emailed your client in some time, so make sure that the email address that you have because you're allowed to take that information is correct or our cell phone numbers. So use sort of in preparing to prepare, when you're talking to your clients, get their updated information. Maybe that means you're sending out a client profile update as a normal course of business, because you should be doing that every two years anyway, but send that out to get that information back and put the information that's in there in the spreadsheet that's accurate. So cell phone numbers, home numbers, work numbers, Email addresses, if they have multiple email addresses, so their personal email, their work email, you're allowed to take all of that information. So make sure you take advantage of it and make sure it's accurate. So when you look at the columns, number four is you want to add, on the again, on the right side of the column, these are, these are the types of accounts. You want to add columns that relate to the types of services that your client is using. So that might mean column for checks, might mean a column for ATM card, a column for ACH, a column for direct deposit, a column for, you know, other things that are being done on a regular basis that you need to remember. Now you can't, again, it's just a checkbox. You're just having a column and the client has an ACH and a checkbook and a debit card. So you have a check, check, check next to each one of those. That just will help you and help the new firm prepare the right types of documents that are going to go into the FedEx packages prior to your resignation. Oh, and then the fifth one is really a CYA. And that is, as I said in the intro, when you're resigning and you're handing in your your full spreadsheet to your manager, which, which is what you have to do, I would make a copy of whatever it is you hand your manager, you should make a copy of. 
in the event that your manager for some reason says you didn't give it to him or her, or it was inaccurate, it didn't have the right information on it, meaning that you know you didn't include phone numbers or you didn't include email addresses. And so make a copy for your records. If you're working with an attorney, which I would advise is a good idea, um, even just to have one in waiting, just to consult with you, provide them with the same spreadsheet as well. Just make sure that's a, that's a CYA. It doesn't happen that often, but but you don't want to be the one that it does happen to. So what are the top five don'ts? The, the number one don't is don't add social security numbers, date of births, account numbers. That's a huge no-no. You just don't do it. It's not necessary. You'll get the information when you need it. So just don't do that. Don't print out something with all that information, thinking that they're not going to find out, they'll find out. So just don't do that. If you are printing stuff information, which brings us to number two, you know, you might be printing statements out so that you can take those statements home and then fill out the spreadsheets accordingly. And that's okay. But what I would advise you to do is not shred or throw out those statements and hoping that when you tell the the firm's attorney, oh yeah, you got rid of all that stuff that they believe you. If you're printing anything out to help you put together the spreadsheet, like client statements, when you're done, leave those printed statements on your credenza or on your, you know, on the on your desk, in your in your desk, somewhere that when the firm pulls up your print report, because they can pull up your print report, like I said, and they say, Well, where are all the statements that you printed on you know, November 12th, you printed, you know, 30 different client account statements. You can say to them, oh, yeah, no problem. They're right on my desk or they're in my credenza. Prove to them that, yeah, you printed them, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But you did leave them there. So that's number two. Number three is don't change any of the data on the spreadsheet. So don't make one accurate spreadsheet for yourself with all of the correct phone numbers for your clients and then a second spreadsheet with all the with incorrect phone numbers for your clients like you change one digit on every single client that's just poking the bear right so if you're you just don't want to test the the firm that you're leaving because maybe they won't have any problems with you when you leave but if you if they find out that you change the phone numbers on all these on all these accounts they're most likely going to go in and try to get a TRO on you and play hardball because you decided not to play by the rules. So just don't be cute about it. Just put the information in there. It's not going to make a difference. Half the time, that's where that protocol spreadsheet gets put in a file and uh, the inherited advisors that get your accounts don't even see that thing. So just don't don't mess around with that stuff. One of the things that I've, I've seen make a, a big problem, this was to my point about preparing early, number one, is you can prepare too early. So in, in the sort of the number four don'ts, if you are preparing your spreadsheet a month or two or three months ahead of time, and you've, you're providing that information to the new firm to prepare documents, you have to be really careful about when you decide to not bring a client with you and you delete their information from the spreadsheet. So you deleted it on your end, but you never told the new firm, you know, to delete row 37. That client's not coming with me anymore. Or you consolidated rows. You decided that 
where you have a, a client who's a doctor and he or whoever client's a business owner, doesn't have to be a doctor, but a business owner, and he has his personal accounts and his business accounts. You decide instead of sending them to two separate locations, so it's personal to his house and his business to his business, you decide, you know what, we're just going to send everything to his home address instead, and you delete the row that was designated to his business accounts. That messes up the entire spreadsheet. And I've had it happen with an advisor that we did that with, um, and it was a total disaster. And so you have to make sure that if you're deleting something off of that spreadsheet after you've provided it to the new firm, you let the new firm know what you did because it will have disastrous ramifications. Imagine, if you will, every account that you sent in was one row off. And so now Mrs. Smith got Jim Jones's paperwork because they were next to each other in their columns. That, that could be a total disaster. So just be really careful about doing that. I would say that's probably my biggest don't. You know, don't delete information without informing your new firm that you deleted that information so they can make the same adjustment. Number five really is a sort of generic overall theme, and that is don't be cute. Don't think that you can circumvent the rules. They don't apply to you. You can outwit your manager or you can outwit the firm by doing things behind their back or finding some loophole to take more information than you're allowed to take. In this day and age, it's easy to get the information after you leave. In every package that you send to your client, you can put a letter in there and there's a letter that's already drafted that your client can sign that dictates to your old firm to send their information, their entire file, over to you at the new firm. So it's not necessary to take statements after you've printed them because you can get them. It's not necessary to, you know, if there's original trust documents, this is one that comes up all the time, if there's original trust documents in a, in a folder, you'll get them. Or better yet, send it back to the client. Tell them to hold on to it. Don't tell them why because you can't tell your clients that you're leaving the firm, but just tell them to hold on to it for their next for their next client review. That's a little trick in case you missed it. But just be careful about being too cute. You don't want to be someone that violates firm protocol. The new firm will typically have an attorney that will represent you and walk, walk through what you can and cannot do. Make sure you follow those rules. You leave your new firm in a very tough spot if you violate the protocol rules from them because then they're going to get hit with it. You know, they're going to give you the money. You're going to violate the rule. New firm, the old firm is going to go to court, get a TRO. They'll probably be successful. You know, when we look at articles, you know, investment news or advisor hub, wherever it is that we have these articles and you see, you know, oh, Morgan Stanley won a new TRO against uh, someone that left the firm and they went to Ameriprise or Wells Fargo or whatever. And they won a TRO nine times out of 10. You know, almost I'll say 10 times out of 10. It's because the advisor violated something with regards to protocol rules. So even if you're leaving a non-protocol firm, this is a little bit of an interesting tidbit. Even if you're leaving a non-protocol firm, so basically UBS and Morgan Stanley at this point, I would still advise you to follow protocol rules in terms of taking as little information as possible. You're going to work with an attorney they may say not not to take anything, and we've moved some advisors out of Morgan Stanley to other firms, 
and we really you're limited with what you can take. So just don't be cute about it. If the, if the new firm says, hey, we want you to delete all of the information out of your cell phone because Morgan Stanley is going to check, that's what you should do. So just play by the rules. Don't be cute. And um, like you know, the average move today, well, we're seeing roughly 85 to 90% of the clients are moving you know, within the first 60 days. So you'll have the same success as long as you don't do anything wrong and poke the bear. So with that said, you know, I think that that's, it's a topic that seems obvious. I hope you found it informative. If you are thinking about making a move and want to discuss some specifics about your protocol firm or non-protocol firm and what you should be doing, if you'd like to get an example of what a protocol spreadsheet looks like, shoot me an email, frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com. I'd be happy to spend a few minutes with you walking you through it. And um, we wish you the best of luck. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. Smash that like button. Give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. And keep the ideas coming. Thanks for joining us. And I look forward to our next podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Financial Advisors Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, the leading experts in advisor transitions, succession planning, and broker-dealer and RIA M&A consulting. If you're looking for strategic advice or solutions on any of those topics within the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to the podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com. Yeah.